Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Dr. Peter Larkins has been good enough to join me thanks to the deluxe iced coffee range from McCafe, the number one sports medico in the business. Doc, thanks a lot for joining me again. Great to have you back on. Thanks, Dwayne. That just proves you're not as old as people say you are, Dwayne. That's good to hear, isn't it? <laughs> maybe so. Maybe, well, maybe so. Maybe we are learning, though. At this... Maybe your football career well, that, that... your brain isn't remembering. <laughs> well, that is the issue, Doc, I suppose. I mean, I've had concussions. I've had, you know, I've been lucky enough to have a, a good life and a good career, but you know, there's a couple of things that happen to me every now and then, and I wonder, well, is that due to being bashed around the head a couple of times that I can't remember this, or, you know, I've got to be yeah. a bit angry at that. It's a, it's a difficult situation for everyone to assess. Now, I know there's people in extremely difficult situations that have kind of got no doubt as to why they're yeah. in that situation yeah. with their brain that they're in, but there, there's a lot of people that will probably be in the middle of this. This is a dilemma, I think, Dwayne. There's a huge spectrum of differences in terms of memory, behaviour and, you know, just behaviour generally. And whether you played sport or not, concussed or not, because I think you just alluded to an interesting point about this concussion story, is there are guys that got significantly concussed and well-documented and probably, you know, treated with the convention of the day going back on the field who have got no symptoms whatsoever, who are significantly older than some of the younger players who are now, you know, taking class action and claiming that they have had concussions, no doubt about that. But secondly, they've got worse mental behaviour or memory behaviour. So the spectrum of what's normal in the community and what's normal from sport, we are still on a big learning curve, as I've said to you before. So what do you take away from the AFL's revamp policy? I'm not sure. I know you've been in surgery today, so you might yeah. not have know, had a I've chance to read it all. But what have you taken? Well, I've been aware of it coming to one, and you and I spoke about the huge, you know, expert concussion meeting just a few months ago in Europe, which was really was the world's, you know, elite um, discussing this. And so the guidelines that are alluded to in the AFL protocol that was talked about in the last 24 hours, those guidelines are due to be released. They're overdue because the expert committee is putting those out. So it's really, look, just for the, the summary is it's not a significant difference. So if you look at what 2022 was in terms of players being taken off the ground and tested and having to pass a whole lot of tests, before they play again. Nothing much is going to change. I mean, the, the real confusion is this 12-day rule because it's not a rule. It's a guideline, Dwayne. And I think it's, it's quite reasonably discussed at the moment that the 12-day is not a scientific thing. And in fact, if you look at world concussion, most people, most people, as in 90% plus, recover within 14 days. And so the 12-day sort of became a guideline. Now, in AFL footy, as it's rightly t- pointed out by Michael McDesey, up to 30% of players aren't recovered by 12 days in AFL. So we're a different sport compared to all the sports around the world where that general 14-day thing came out. So, But we are using the 12-day as a guideline, but players will miss a lot more time. But we haven't really got more sophisticated tests in 2023 in the season, Dwayne. We're still going to be part of science, part instinct. Yes, we're doing research, or the, the scientists are. But we're just going to see players, you know, I think the conservative approach, which I think is what the AFL and the AFL clubs do, is, is going to be the, the continuing thing in 2023. So there's an initial test when someone comes off if they've had a head knock. The yeah. doctor conducts that yeah. within minutes. And then if they believe they need a, a scat test, which will take, what, yeah. 20 minutes, and they will go downstairs and do that? Yeah, yeah. so any head 
trauma or head incident requires an HIA, a head injury assessment. That's not the concussion test, that's a head injury assessment. Yes, no, is there a concern? If it's a yes, then the concussion test comes on board and they go out of sight and downstairs. And that's certainly, look, it's hard to do it under 12 to 15 minutes. So there's a significant time frame to be done properly. So when a player goes downstairs and comes back after seven minutes, I'm always a bit concerned, Dwayne, that the test either wasn't done or certainly was a half test done. But the SCAT, the Sports Concussion Assessment Tool, it's pretty rudimentary. It keeps getting upgraded. But certainly the, the discussions at that meeting I spoke to you about were that the, the SCAT, whilst it's the best we've got, it's certainly not foolproof. And so we are still in an era when there's no magic test, whether it's a blood test, a saliva test, a scan. There's nothing you can do in that 10-minute window to give the coach the answer. So there's the initial test, the HIA, then there's the SCAT if required. There's also a spotter in the ARC, in the review centre that the AFL has. It's not a doctor, it's not an independent doctor, but it's a spotter reviewing the collision mechanisms and how a player gets up from a collision to to alert doctors? Yeah, Yeah, and I think that's an excellent introduction because doctors are so busy, you know that they're working at ground level. With some grounds, they've got an elliptical shape to the ground. You don't see the far side all that well. You're watching a player because he's just had a hammy or a shoulder and something happens. So the spotters, and there are some doctors doing because I do know some of the individuals, Dwayne, so there are medical people doing that. Um, and often they're doing it from an elevated position with the advantage of the replay. They can call it up and control it from the broadcast and they can alert the doctor. Look, Dwayne's just had an incident. He got up, he was a bit shaky. You may not have seen it. Then the doctor has a chance to look at it on his feet of the game or her feet of the game down at the bench and then say, oh my God, I missed that because it happened so far, it happened so quick. And so the spotter is really an extra set of support. Now, the club doctor makes the decision whether you got concussion or not, not the independent person. But the independent person is excellent because it gives the doctors an extra set of eyes. So you were at that discussion, the conference, the consensus in Amsterdam. What since, and we've spoken about it since, so what resolutions have come through to you since we've spoken last? Is there any new uh, initiatives that other sports are taking um, in their sport because of what's come from Amsterdam? Yeah, look, I mean, there were lots of themes and guidelines coming out of it for sure, Dwayne. I mean, the sports won't adopt anything formally until the official guidelines come out from the expert panel. That was that was muted to be the end of January, and here we are, March, and it hasn't come out. But they will be you know, definitive when they come out. I mean, the things that I took home, and I think we spoke about it, is that the kids who get concussion take longer to go back to, to normal. And so even double. So even with the same amount of force, the same amount of early signs, the same amount of early symptoms... So children, we're talking about children, we're talking about underdeveloped brains and, and really under 18. So it's not even kids, they're adolescents and teenagers, Dwayne. So that was a strong message. The other message is it's better to exercise as soon as possible after concussion. Now, not train and footy and get bumped and tackled, but to walk around the block, walk around the lake, do exercise. Don't lie in a dark room, which used to be that, because the exercise has been shown to be beneficial. And I think the third strong message out of that was that you don't need to be concussed ever to get CTE in, in your brain. So the traumatic encephalopathy can occur based on accumulative head knocks. And this is really where the dilemma for sports is coming along, Dwayne, because knocks can occur in teammates and it can occur in a tackle. So it's not the number of concussions in a con- career, it's the number of head knocks. And this is where the difficulty of sport comes in because we've seen all these monitors, mouth guards, you know, helmets with with sensors in them. Yeah, we know you get head knocks, but does that mean we're not going to play the sport? I think there's a real dilemma coming up because prevention is certainly better than treating and we've got to work out how to prevent the head shaking. Well, they'll never ban boxing, Doc, so we're always going to have that as a sport. Will they yeah. ban boxing? What, what happens no, with no, soccer? Because is there, yeah. is there a possibility that you get CTE because you've headed the ball 
10,000 times in your life. It's a possibility. It's documented. It's documented already in retired players who have died and been brained um, and analysed. And so soccer have introduced junior rules where no heading of the ball is allowed at all. Now, imagine that in footy where you're not allowed to mm. kick the ball in case you get a sore foot. You know, so it's, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, soccer is a foot game, of course, but your heading mm. is a big part of the sport. Similarly in training, they're not allowed to head the ball in junior sports. They've changed the, the weight of the ball. They've introduced headgear. Uh, into under-15 soccer in Europe and did a two-year trial and they showed they reduced the number of concussions in soccer, not in footy, in, as we call it, but soccer, where you know the, you know the controversy about whether headgear reduces um, concussion, Wayne, we've had that, but in soccer they showed a reduction of 46%. This was a um, study released wow. at that, that conference I was at. So, so soccer is all over it because there are simply more people playing soccer than there are AFL footy, and so clearly there's more cases potentially of CTE unless we do something about it, let alone other sports like ice hockey and the jockeys. And boxing? Well, boxing, look, I go head-to-head, and that's the pun I didn't intend to use, but, I, I, you know, I've, I've bantered with Gus Mercurio and people on panels, and, I, you know, I understand boxing's an incredible fit sport. It's skillful. But, you know, if you want to have boxing and continue it on, why try to damage someone's brain and knock them out? Why not just make boxing that you get points for hits to the body and, and, and scoring that way, as they do in, you know, in fencing and as they do in other sports? Because, you know, if you, you can't ban it. I know it won't be banned, but it's always going to be controversially in the medical world simply because my intention, if I'm a boxer, is to finish the fight as soon as possible, knock you out and head out for dinner. And, and the fans pay a lot of money, and you know, and yet they roar when it's a first-round knockout. So to me, there's a bit of an enigma with boxing because I understand the fitness and I understand the career it's provided for, for kids, particularly from other kids who have come from backgrounds where boxing was their way to get an identity, Dwayne. But if you're hitting in the head, you're going to get head trauma. You're going to get concussion. You're going to get KO'd, as they say in boxing. So to me... You know, it, it's the wrong way message to send if you're trying to have safe sport. But I know I'll get held down for that, but it's always been my position medically. And do you think we'll get to a stage where we get a finding from Amsterdam that 12-day minimum is not enough? Yeah, absolutely we will. As I said, the, the, the problem with the 12-day, it was that most people in world sport, not just in footy, in every sport, the, the, the 14 days saw most people returned under the current assessment guidelines of MRI scans and repeat scat tests and neuropsych testing. But the point is that when, when most do, that means there's some don't. So we know and that we've got, you know, we got cases of, of AFL players who've taken months to get back or never played again. So I think the guideline of 12 days is simply, look, the optics of it were good when players were playing the following week after concussion. Because one of the things that you will see done better, Dwayne, very quickly, is the protocol of what tests you've got to go through when you train, when you train with your mates, when you train with non-contact, when you train with contact, when you do match practice or when you play. There's a lot of stages that you've got to go through in this protocol and it takes 12 to 14 days to do that properly. And I think there were some shortcuts taken in the past and I think the AFL has put everyone on notice that shortcuts won't be accepted. And do doctors overrule players who say they find that, but the doctor will say, no, you're not and we, we, we're not letting you go back on is there an instance where a, a player might not be with his full faculties to make his own decision yep i've not heard of that for years Dwayne. And, and i know it was it happened when you played it happened when i was a club doctor at certain clubs because the players you know they got a lot of power and the coaches had a lot of power and you know if lance franklin's staring you in the eye or dusty and i know they're terrific fellows so sorry lance and dusty i don't mean but i mean if, if they're saying they're right to go you've got to be very strong as a doctor and say no you're not right to go so i think in the current era era of medical legal situations and the players getting briefed and told repeatedly how their brain's got to be looked after. I, I can't, I don't know of a circumstance in recent seasons where a player or a coach has been silly enough to override a medical opinion, Dwight.
And will players, um, will doctors override players after 12 days saying, no, we don't believe you're right? Is there Absolutely. any way a doctor can... Well, that's already happened. Now, that, that's a good example. I know that there's been, and I know there's been disputes between coaching panels and doctors where the, the player has told the coach he's right. All of the, the objective measurements, if you like, that have been done show that um, the player might be recovered. But the instinctive knowledge of the doctor or the, some of the subtle art where the doctor has overridden the player and the coach to say, no, Dwayne's not ready to go. I know he's, I know he's missed two, but he's going to miss another one or another, another week. And I think that's an excellent thing. You've got to be a strong doctor to do that, but hopefully the AFL doctors know that they really are under the, the pressure from the media, the pressure from the lawyers. They need to stick to their knowledge and their guns. And one last quick one. Would the AFL better off, be better off having an independent doctor as opposed to the spotter in the arc? I don't believe so because I think there's an instinctive knowledge of a player. If you've been the club doctor for four, five, six, seven years, you know the player off-field as well as on-field. I think the ability for the player to, to, to pull the wool over your eyes, to use the old um, expression, Dwayne, or to fool you, I think the club doctor is still the best person to do that. I, I believe the third doctor is important to alert the club doctor to the event, as we said earlier. But I think there's still an instinctive knowledge that goes with knowing your patient, that is the player, better than an independent person who really doesn't know when you might be fooling me, Dwayne. Doctor, it's always great to be able to have a chat to you and uh, educate myself um, and the audience. Uh, it's a benefit for me to understand all this stuff. So thanks a lot for helping me yeah, understand. It's an, ongoing, we'll talk soon. it's an ongoing story. There'll be controversies this season, Dwayne, but uh, hopefully we'll see the conservative approach accepted by the fans and the coaching panels. Thanks, Dwayne. Good stuff. Dr. Peter Larkins joining us, esteemed sports medico. Joined us for a McCafe coffee catch-up. Head to the drive-thru for a deluxe iced coffee range from McCafe. It's real coffee, real deluxe.